Welcome back to the Modern Man Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Hilkathuria. As always, I'm really, really excited to start this episode. Uh, just a little note before we begin, this podcasting journey has become really, really exciting for me, and I'm just super, super grateful to be able to share these really cool conversations that I'm having with friends that I normally just talk and have these conversations, but now there's a mic here, and I get to share it with other people, which I find super cool. So today, my guest is Mark Mahoney. Again, another one of my buddies from school who I think can provide a lot of valuable insight on a lot of the issues we deal with as young men or just young people growing up, going through school, going through college, trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, how to deal with certain mental issues and maybe provide some mental frameworks on how to just go about your daily life. So Mark, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Mark Mahoney. From Houston, Texas. I'm a senior this year at SMU. I met Nick Hill because we're both teaching assistants for this one class, and you know we've grown pretty close, pretty quick. I'd say um, we've shared a lot of cool experiences already, and I'm excited for what we have entailed. Yeah, um, I think one of the reasons that we connected is because we have some op- some shared experience from the present, but also relate to each other in some ways that you wouldn't have found surface level. I think for me, I went through not hardship, but just kind of a wacky journey to get to where I'm at in that I came to SMU as a freshman and came here to join ROTC, but I was practicing bad habits and it put me in a bad position to succeed and it ended up biting me in the ass. And I took two years of COVID to really just reflect, practice more bad habits, grow as a person and come back here three years later, just a completely different person. And I think you had a similar journey in a way where your freshman year was a huge learning experience. Can you like talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I would say, like, so for high school, I was always kind of like goody two-shoes, you know? Not goody two-shoes, but I was always focused on just school, athletics, like never really drank or anything like that. So, you know, coming into college, I was really excited for that, not necessarily party aspect, but just the freedom of everything that comes with not having to live with your parents and you know you're kind of on your own in a sense and so I would just say I also got into some bad habits just like going out a lot smoking weed (laughs) I was kind of hesitant to say that on the podcast but it's not a big deal but yeah so I just I felt like I got you were talking about you hated being stagnant Mm. and I definitely fell into that loop of just It didn't really feel like I was living, almost. It felt like I was just existing at some points, you know? I wasn't improving at all. I wasn't learning. I was just kind of going through the motions every day. And I felt like we both had a moment of clarity where it was like, okay, this is time to improve myself. And we've kind of both gone on our own journeys in that regard. Yeah, and it's it's so easy to 
fall into a pattern every day. You know, humans were habitual. We we want to have habits, yeah. and the habits that you build can either be productive or not. And similar to you, I came here and thought, "Holy fuck!" Like this is this is a wild environment. I'm surrounded by. 2,000 other kids my age who also don't know what the hell is going on and some of some of us were partying in high school but some of us this is like wow I get to go to a club and then there's a bunch of girls who look you know pretty attractive and I there's alcohol involved and dudes are getting rowdy and what's going on this is a huge huge rush of this is insane going through that and I'm sure you can attest to this a lot of the people that you know you become friends with in those first couple weeks go down that pattern of hey we're we're going out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you know, five four or five days a week and I for sure did it and suffered the consequences not having good grades and just being around people who are always going out. Would you would you say it was something similar for you? Yeah, so I came into SMU with two of my really good high school friends. And so I definitely, we kind of mirrored each other's actions. And I wouldn't say like one of us took the lead of going out a lot or smoking a lot of weed, but we kind of just all, like that just became our habit, like our habits and our kind of daily routine, I would say. You know, COVID happening like towards the end of my first semester was definitely like not helpful at all because uh it was just I got COVID and then I also had mono I felt like the good habits I had in my life like working out I started to stop doing those habits and just fall into that routine of like continually doing bad habits so I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was necessarily me following other people's lead it's definitely my own actions and decisions that got me to where I was do you feel that the act of going out together or the act of smoking weed together almost changed the definition of your friendship during that time as we are now bonding through these these kinds of experiences yeah I would say I don't know how much it changed our relationship, but we started, like, we became friends really through basketball and doing, like, a lot of physical activities, and then that kind of switched to we're no longer saying, hey, let's go play basketball. It's like, hey, let's go smoke weed and play Xbox, you know? And so I don't think kind of how we viewed viewed each other changed, but kind of the dynamic of how we spent our time Mm-hmm. changed and we're still friends now and it's almost weird because we don't really talk much about that time period because I think we all kind of realized that it wasn't our like greatest time and we've all matured and kind of learned from that and put in our past I guess yeah how did you feel I mean, okay, I'll, let me let me take a step back. So when I worked as a ski instructor and I lived with my five best friends who were my roommates, there would be some days where, hey, it just snowed a shit ton, the mountains closed, no one has work, we're all at home. 
We're not going to go outside. No one's going to dig out their car. And the roads are snowy. We're stuck here. So we wake up at 7 a.m. And, well, okay, we don't have work. So first thing we do, let's all smoke a bowl together. Right? It's, it's 7.30 in the morning. We smoke a bowl. Life's awesome. We're playing Xbox. Oh, my God, the day's amazing. You know, the sun's out. The birds are yeah. chirping. We're high. There's some coffee boiling right now. <laughs> Life's great. Cool. It's, you know, 10, 11 o'clock. Maybe we've eaten breakfast. We go and smoke another bowl. Do, you know, do some more. You know, whatever we're doing. We just kept on going through this cycle of a few hours of just hanging out inside. Smoke a bowl. Do it again. Smoke a bowl. Do it again. And by the day's over, we smoked 10 bowls. And it gets to 8 o'clock and we're all sitting in. Well, we had a bathroom which we called the booth room. <laughs> we had three bathrooms, but dedicated one of them just to smoking. And we'd all be sitting there, and I'd look to my buddy Lip, and I'd be like, dude, does this even feel good anymore? And, you know, we would just kind of look at each other. Because we're still going to smoke the bowl, but it felt like we were going through the motions. And that pleasure that we had felt that was so intense 12 hours before was just kind of... We were we were searching for it. Did you ever have days like that? Uh, I definitely had days where I kind of realized that I wasn't getting the same enjoyment out of smoking weed and going out as I was originally. But I still continued to do these habits just because at that point I was like, well, what, what else am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah, definitely now, looking back on it, I realized a lot sooner than when I actually stopped smoking weed and changing my habits that I should, but it took me a while to actually make the changes. Did it become a part of your identity during that period? Yes, just because our actions always somewhat define who we are mm -hmm. and how we spend our time and what we pay attention to is definitely a part of our identity so I would say it did a little bit yeah okay so what was your fuck this moment which changed it okay so my roommate dropped out um, second semester freshman year this is like right after COVID happens so he drops out he comes back sophomore year first semester and then he dropped out again and so sophomore year second semester I spent a lot of time just alone in my dorm because one freshman year I did not have I wasn't academically uh, eligible to rush because I got mono I had to drop a bunch of classes whatever I definitely didn't meet as many people as I thought I would so I ended up spending a lot of time by myself in my dorm and I feel like that caused, or at least it gave me time and a space for a lot of self-reflection and time to just look inwards. And so I, would, I was still smoking, but I would s smoke and then just sit there in my thoughts. And a lot of times I'd put on some like philosophy video, whether that was stoicism or someone like Alan Watts just talking about life like what is the meaning of life what is the purpose like all these like super deep because at that point I was kind of lost in terms of where I wanted to go because I've always been someone that looks 
towards the future a lot more than I should. I've always struggled with being present in the moment. I not only was struggling with where I wanted to go, but where I was at. And so I was started to just kind of brainstorm a lot of not just where I want to go, but who I was and kind of what my identity was at the time. Because I felt like all these things that made me who I was, I kind of lost in those early years of college. And so, I, yeah, it was just a lot of self-reflection, I guess, in that time period. It wasn't one big like fuck this moment yeah you know? it was like the buildup of a wave that ended in a crescendo and yeah you're stopping yeah, yeah pretty much so well, it's incredible how much i relate to what you just said whenever you would do that where you would get high and sit by yourself would you ever just immediately regret it that you would smoke get high and then think wow i really just did it again I'm I'm just back here high again. Yeah, I would say definitely I did, but at one point I also kind of convinced myself that I was more creative when I smoked, and so I would, you know, come up with all these like crazy ideas of like what I wanted to do in the future and what I could do now, and then I would never actually execute on any of them. I would have these big dreams and these big goals, but I wouldn't put in the work after it after these ideas to actually accomplish any of that. That's it's real that's really cool to hear. Um, because I, I I really share in that experience. For me, I came back to SMU last August, August twenty twenty two. And same as you, I spent a decent amount of time alone in those first few weeks. I came here and the reason I chose the roommate I have is because we were friends freshman year. And funny enough, we became friends through me going to his dorm and smoking weed. <laughs> and well, maybe I was more friends with his roommate. But anyways, I see this guy on roommate finder. I'm like, that's my guy. You know, I know him. I already have his number. Let me just text him. And it works out. We, we become roommates. And then the moment the school year starts, I never see this guy. So I'm coming in, I've always had this experience of, I've, I have amazing roommates, my roommates are my best friends, always. I mean, I've only had three roommate experiences, but that's what I was expecting. And then it didn't happen. And in my head, that was the first L I took because now I, I don't have that friend at home. And I probably felt lonely. And I leaned on weed a, l a lot during that time where, you know, I I came into the to the year being kind of injured, so I wasn't expressing myself physically in the way that is so important to me. That it makes me so happy and it, it it's a part of me, truly, and I wasn't working out. And I would finish class at two, three o'clock, come home and immediately just light up a bowl. And, you know, pull the whole thing in one rip <laughs> and just sit here and be high. And I felt like that made me more lonely and eventually started to make me a little depressed. As well as that was a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more depressed and the more lonely I felt, the more anxious I felt about making new friends. 
And it got to the point where, okay, I'm not working out. I'm smoking weed. If I continue on this trajectory, I'm probably not going to do well in my classes. I don't have any friends. The friends I had from freshman year, they've all moved on. And at this rate, I'm not going to be able to reconnect with anyone if I'm not making that effort. I have diminished social skills of just living at home during COVID and, you know, really being insulated with my five friends when I was a ski instructor. And the combination of everything feeling so terrible, this, this needs to change, you know, this is like, fuck this. (laughs) I'm, I'm capable of so much more. And that's, that was the first time I decided to stop but it, it took a long, it took a while to, for me to actually stop. Uh, and eventually I did. And, you know, it's been about, I'd say four months at this point. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but yeah, dude, I would sit there and I would smoke and immediately regret it, A. But then, like you, I would listen to Alan Watts or, <laughs> you know, there's like whatever the 99 like top things about 99 top quotes or what is the meaning of life or uh, listen to amazing entrepreneurs talk about their journey or really i started to listen to this guy named hamza and this guy changed my life because he was all about self-improvement and self-improvement changed my life to be honest because it, it got me on this concept of getting better every day. I think that was the main thing that really instigated it because made my brain think, okay, if I'm not getting better every day, I'm actually getting worse. I'm not contributing, contributing anything to myself or to society. What if, what is it, what's gonna happen in 10 years when maybe I have a girlfriend and I wanna start a family or I wanna get married but I'm still, for lack of better words, I'm still a bum and I'm not doing anything. So Hamza changed my life. Jocko Willink, awesome. Yeah. You know, he honestly, like listening to him taught me to not be pathetic. You know? To, yeah, he talks a lot about having accountability and yeah. being like true to yourself. Exactly. Don't you know, lie to yourself. You know, yeah. You know. And thinking, what? what do I value in myself? That that was kind of my fuck this moment. I really relate to you and sitting there and just thinking about shit, but not really doing it. And then once you start to do things, it makes such a huge difference. Yeah. 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 And one of the things with, you know, self-improvement where you were just saying, if you're not improving, you feel like you're getting worse almost. Yeah. It's scary to me kind of looking back on how fast time goes by mm-hmm. because I feel like that time period of where I wasted I would say two years of not improving just being really stagnant it felt like it flew by almost like and looking back on it I wish I would have made changes earlier because I feel like I wasted my time and I was just a bum for a, a long period of time you know and now it's something today where it's I have to remind myself because of course we have our good days and our bad days but I'm trying to be more consistent on every day you know trying to become better 
I see these young cats in the gym, and we're we're young, we're we're young. Like don't get it twisted, but I see guys that are younger. They're 17, 18, 19. And I look at them like, holy fuck, dude! I wish I was that age, you know. And yeah. I'm I'm only twenty two, but yeah. I look at them like, okay, you know, if I knew then what I know now, hell, my life would have been awesome. But I, the point is, I guess, to just make up for that lost time and make our lives awesome now. Yeah. But it, I think that's. That's why I feel so passionate about sharing this message and having you on, someone who can talk about it too, is that if you're young out there and you're listening, that, you know, make the most of that time. Like, those young years, they're they're incredible. And, like, wherever you're at, you're not too old or too young to start whatever your mind... You know, if you, if you have a dream or something or you feel like you might have started too late, don't let that hold you back. Hundred percent. That reminds me of Gary V. You know who Gary V. Yeah, is? Gary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he always says, you know, I was working in my my parents' wine yeah, shop until I was thirty four. You know, I was making forty six thousand dollars when I was twenty nine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's clearly just an absolutely just incredibly driven and, and productive man, but it speaks to the point. You can. He he didn't start working on his own business till he's 34, and now 10 years later, or 13 years later, he's sold, a, released his NFT, and instantly made 100 million dollars in a second. Wow! So you can you can do it, and yeah, we're doing it too. Just in from 18 to 22, or I don't know how old you are, 22, 23, 21. 21. Yeah, 21. Like we've made we made strides, and essentially we're. Laying the foundation to have a really cool life. Uh, so, listed out a bunch of topics here. Let's go ahead and just pick a topic and see what we talk about. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about APSM 4300. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like I'd love to hear, okay, what, how did you find out about the class? How did you get into it? And how it affected your life? Okay, so pretty much... A lot of my best friends took the class the year before me, so I took it last year, my junior year, and a lot of my friends took it as sophomore. And they just told me, you have to take the class. And I was like, dude, I don't want to take an 8 a.m., like, I hear I have to run and all this stuff, and I was like, I'm not, pretty much, whatever. I got convinced to take the class, I show up, and honestly, like right after the first class I knew I would like it because I really don't like just sitting there for long lectures I love to participate and you know have hands-on activities and share my experiences and learn from other classmates and so I knew this class was different and then really a lot of the stuff we were learning like the Chinese farmer and all of I was relating back to those philosophy videos and psychology videos I was watching and I felt like I was doing even more self-reflection because I was taking what I learned in class and just kind of diving deeper into the subjects I was already interested in and especially I, th- I think the lifeline activity mm-hmm. so for those listening the lifeline activity is pretty much you go up there in front of the class who you only 
have been with for a couple months and you're supposed to share pretty much within 10 minutes your life story. And so for me, I watch these people go up there and be so vulnerable and share such private things in their life. And I was honestly super amazed at that. And that gave me power to be like, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable and I will share stuff about my life. Because up until that point, like when I was struggling, I was in a bad place mentally, just with like, I had a low self-esteem, bad anxiety, freshman, sophomore year. And I was never someone that looked for help or even just like told anyone because I felt like I was always the friend that people would come to for help. And I almost didn't want to, like, project my struggles on other people. And I was always just had the mentality of I can figure it out on my own. And so I felt that class was the first time that I ever kind of opened up about my kind of struggles freshman and sophomore year. Like, my best friends don't know. My family didn't know. And so I just remember I told my story and then just this like weight off my shoulders like I just felt relieved to have like told even if it wasn't an incredible detail just to kind of air that out so I've learned a lot in that class definitely the power of being vulnerable and being open with other people and kind of learning through just listening to other people's stories and I wanted to be a part of it again this year and I wanted to almost lead by example because I was inspired by those who helped me feel comfortable in being vulnerable in front of the class and throughout other activities. And so I wanted to help do the same for others. That's awesome. Yeah. It Before the podcast, we were chatting about that need, that necessity for having places or people you can open up to. And I think that might be part of the reason why therapy is so big these days is because people don't have either that camaraderie or those close friendships or simply just a space where they can talk about how they feel. And I mean, there's a reason why mental health is such a huge issue in today's society. And I, I truly think it's because people just don't talk to people or don't have people they can open up to or get past those shallow level conversations. Yeah. And I totally agree. Yeah. And I mean, you see, I mean, it's a sad subject, but every single year, there's way more suicides than there are murders. And that's just something you don't hear about in the news. You hear about all these murders, but in terms of people struggling with mental health I feel like a lot of times it just gets shoved in the closet and I feel like that's unfortunate because I would love for this world just to be a more accepting and just place where people felt more comfortable being open and you don't have to put on this persona or face and try to be this perfect person all the time it's okay we're all human you know, we all go through struggles and we all let people down, but it's about how you grow from that. Yeah. It, is there a reason that 
you never talked about it before the class? I mean, you said that you didn't want to project your struggles on other people, but if you think deeper, do you know why that is? I think part of it was, I feel like my part of my identity or how I wanted people to view me was maybe not someone that had it all together, but someone that people could go to to look to get some advice or I felt like I was always a person that would bring like the happy like relaxed energy into my friend group it's a good question um why I didn't open up with my friends I guess a lot of times I was waiting for that perfect moment to where we would both just kind of open up to each other but I learned in life there's just never that perfect moment. You know, if, you, if you're waiting for the perfect moment to jump, it's never going to come. You just have to say fuck it sometimes and just go out there, whether that's being open with your friends and telling them something that's personal that you want to get off your chest or go talk to a girl or, you know, go ask for an interview with a company, whatever it is, like... You can't wait for that perfect moment. So I can't... Something I still, I think, am working through on why I was so private. And I still am working on that. Because I still haven't really... Like, my family doesn't know a lot about what I was struggling with. And a lot of my friends still don't. And so I'm still working on that for sure. I agree. It's hard. Yeah, I, my family truly doesn't know like the type of sh- like mental struggle I went through either. Yeah, I'll I'll kind of say, and this is through being more open now. I'll I'll kind of say like, hey, I was I was depressed, I had anxiety, but I don't, I don't really get into it. Yeah. because, fuck, dude, like why? Yeah, why why would you want to put that on my yeah, mom? And make exactly, like my mom, she always just. I mean, of course she knows I'm human and there's stuff I go through that I don't tell her. But like, I just love my mom and my parents and my sisters so much. I'm so grateful for them that it's, it's hard to kind of open up about difficult experiences and struggles you've been through because I kind of just want my mom to think that everything's perfect in my life. And I know she knows that's not the case, but... I don't know. It's just something that I should um, open up to my family about because I'm sure they will tell me stuff about their lives that I wouldn't know, you know. Do you like to give to other people? I'm definitely a very selfless person. Like, ever since I was little, my mom's told me stories of me, like, helping kids out on the playground, you know. So I've definitely... I've been in times in my life where I've helped others before I even looked to help myself. Like, I remember my roommate was struggling freshman, sophomore year. And a lot of times I was so worried about trying to be a good roommate and help him that I forgot, like, hey, you got to be there for yourself, too. And so I definitely think I've always been a person that gets... A feeling of satisfaction when I'm able to help other people out. 
I relate to you on that too. And it's almost, this is not my original idea, but it's almost as if through being selfless, we're being selfish. Yeah. Because yeah. that is what makes us feel the most satisfied and the most fulfilled in life is helping others. And that, that's a good type of selfishness because you're helping others and helping yourself. But it also can be bad in the same way that you don't help yourself in every way that you need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I remember my sister one time at dinner posed the question, is there any, is there truly anything that's a selfless act? Mm. Because almost every selfless act or act that acts that would appear selfless have some type of benefit to the person. Always. You know? So, yeah. That, yeah, so there's like a more, there's a spectrum of selfishness. It can be negative or I feel it can be positive, negative. So negative to others, positive to yourself or positive to others or negative to yourself. So there's almost two scales where you can, if you can hit positive to yourself and others, that is the ideal form of selfishness which would probably manifest in extreme selflessness, but also in the ability to foster communities and open up to those people. But that, I mean, it's an ideal, right? Yeah. <laughs> How often can we live up to our ideals? Exactly. That, that is something that's difficult, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to be that ideal mark? I would say... I don't feel like I put that much pressure on myself, but I'll say I'm still not great about with negative self-talk when I do fail myself. Yeah. So I don't feel like I overwhelm myself with like, you have to do this, you have to do this. But when I don't live up to my own standards, I just look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, what the hell are we doing? Like. I, I've never been someone to look and point fingers at other people or circumstances on why I'm not getting the things I need to do done. And I feel like I'm really hard on myself in a somewhat self-destructive way where I can almost lose sight or motivation of that goal when I take a step back. So instead of I take a step back, I'm like, I need to take two steps forward, I'll take a few steps back until I'm like, oh crap, like, I really need to get this shit together. Yeah. Something I learned from listening to Jocko was that sometimes you need to be able to take a step back and look at your problems or look at your self-talk from an outsider's perspective. And you know, a strategy he would use to do that is, hey, write your problems or write what you're saying down on a piece of paper and examine it. Because now you've put it on a piece of paper and you can see the problem, it's not in your head. Mm-hmm. And then think, is A, what I'm doing the most productive way of going about finding a solution? And B, what is the best way to solve this problem? Because like you said, that negative self-talk can be so destructive. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I listened to th- another thing I learned from Gary Vee is that 
self-love is the most important thing to move forward because if you don't love yourself then you're not going to be able to push yourself to the limits and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying after you fail and fail and fail again because if you don't love yourself then you're you're just going to make yourself be your own worst enemy yeah and kind of going off that i would say a big thing with self-love is you can't truly love other people if you're not showing yourself that love and that's something that i've definitely learned over the years um that your relationship with yourself affects your relationship with everyone else because i know during those points where i was had some bad mental health and i was trying to be there for everyone i was pouring out of a glass that was empty you know Mm -hmm. so I wasn't getting that fulfillment of being there for others because I wasn't truly there in my heart you know right it's um it's a crazy thing to think about going on the point of taking a step back writing things down on a paper how often do you utilize strategies like journaling writing stuff down getting your stuff out of your head do you find that's an effective tool for you yeah so something i try to do every day is just have at least 10 to 15 minutes to where i can just have silence and just try to look inwards so whether that's meditation or journaling i've been trying to do one of those things every day and recently i have not been the best at it I definitely felt like I got into a groove of meditation and then I kind of have stopped that and been journaling instead, but probably only a couple times a week. Kind of when I feel motivated, it's not really like a daily thing. It's like a, I want to write about this or I want to, I feel like journaling. So I I probably should incorporate it into my routine. Yeah. But. I have an interesting relationship with with journaling and meditation because, dude, there was a while where I was on a fat streak just meditating all the time. And to be honest, I haven't meditated in a while, but right now I'm the happiest I've ever been. So, okay, yes, meditation is is an amazing tool, but when I was meditating, I was less happy than I am now. So what is truly going on behind the scenes? Is it is it the journaling and meditation that were the tools that were super effective? Or is it having the community that I've built of having other strong people around me, which is really making me feel happy and confident and loving myself? So I don't know. I think another thing is just the reintroduction of running. Where when I go out on a run, it's it's time for my conscious mind to turn off and my subconscious starts to process all the things happening in my life. You know, almost that flow state mm-hmm. in a way. And I think that whenever I enter a flow state, that is meditation. You know, I'm not closing my eyes and trying to let the mind flow. I'm running through space, but my mind is flowing. Do you, do you have any of that experience? So when you say flow state, would you define that as just being fully present 
in the moment, or how how would you define? I don't I don't even know. It's it's the moment where there's thoughts, but there's no thoughts, and I'm yeah, I maybe I'm simply just existing. Okay, so maybe like your thoughts are flowing together almost really well. Like, okay, um, so your question is, do I have experience in kind of flow state outside of meditation, like through different activities almost? Yeah, yeah I would say I have gotten into flow state while running especially back in high school when I would run every day and it was it got to a point where you know I could go on a 45 minute run and it was our easy run for the week and so I definitely felt since it wasn't so physically taxing that I had that time to really process what was going on in my mind I don't recently I wouldn't really say I've found that type of meditative exercise so yeah I, I just think it's really interesting how meditation is supposed to be this great tool and I, I honestly still think it is a really awesome tool but it's not the the end-all be-all at least for me I think having that environment like we do in our class and me going out and making friends and building community has been the strongest factor in uh, in finding happiness in where I'm at today. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you look back at history, humans are meant to, you know, work together and collaborate. And yeah. So I feel like that's probably the number one source of just emotion and joy, yeah. gratitude. Yes, meditation and things like that help. But I don't think you can ever give too much power to those things where you say, oh, in order for me to have inner peace or peace of mind, I need to meditate or yeah. else I won't have it. You know, I don't think that's the right thing to do. Going off that, I think that feeling the need to meditate for a certain issue in your life gives the issue more power. Exactly. It gives right. the issue more meaning. Yes, yeah. But And then in turn making yourself think about the problem and the issue more rather than letting time just slowly let the issue fade away. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, going off of like emotions and meditation and journaling and how we feel, I have a clip by Deion Sanders I want you to react to. All right. And then let's just see what comes up out of this because I I found this really, really interesting. It's him talking to his football team.
You waiting on us, and we waiting on you. What would make today lovely? I do not have bad days. That's all I say, Coach Brown. Why don't I have a bad day? I'm glad you asked. I could have a bad moment. I could even have a bad minute or a bad hour. But I would never allow it to get to the point where I have a bad day because I'm in control of that. You do not have the remote control to my life to turn me on and off, high and low, and change the color any way you want. I got that. So knowing that you have the propensity, you have the power and authority to make your day a lovely day, why don't you do it? What are you waiting on? Help? What are you waiting on? Support? What are you waiting on? Somebody to, to ignite you? Somebody to turn your switch on? Somebody to yell at you, scream at you, cuss you out? What are you waiting on to make your day whatever you want it to be? We're winners. You got to start thinking that. I see about a quarter of y'all thinking that we're winners. Some of y'all still caught up in the last year, into yesterday, into last night, whatever argument, whatever disparity that you had with family, friends, or loved ones. We're winners. And we start by winning when we wake up. Before our feet hit the ground, we're thanking the Lord for this day. Because it's going to be a lovely day. Let's win today. Let's not walk on the field, period. Ain't no walking, nowhere. We running, we hustling. We supporting one another. We encouraging one another. We're motivating one another. We're pushing one another. Guys, let's have a commitment to excellence today. Can we make today a lovely day? All right. So I really love that video. Just thoughts and reactions. Yeah, I think his message was really powerful in that, you know, we know what we need to do to have a lovely day and to love each day. And I liked how we talked about, you know, I could have a bad minute, I could have a bad hour, but I'm not going to let that affect my whole day. And I heard something a while ago that's kind of stuck with me, and it talks about not reacting to your circumstances, but responding. Mm. And it's pretty much saying that, you know, when something shitty happens in our life, everyone has that initial reaction of, oh, this sucks, like, poor me kind of going into that victim role that we talked about in class um, but you need to be able to make the shift and instead of react respond and realize that you have complete control over how you want to perceive what's happening to you and so I know we talked a little bit about stoicism and I feel like that plays right into stoicism in that you have control over you know your mind and it's all about knowing what you don't have control over and what you do and when when you do have control over something such as your perspective and how you react to things that just gives you more power to you know love each day and to be grateful and to not let one small thing in your day just completely throw you off balance I, I 100% agree like we have complete control over everything that happens in our life and this is one one practice that I do to make my days just awesome every day is super simple whenever I interact with someone or say hello 
It's like, hey man, how you doing? I'm always great, fantastic, exuberant, absolutely <laughs> amazing. Today is awesome. And when I say that, I immediately get a smile on my face. I could be having the shittiest thoughts from like when I go up to talk to that person. But the moment I say hello, it's like, wow, today's fucking awesome. <laughs> and truly after that, you know, that person has a smile on their face. And then I do too. And I'm like, you know what? Today really is fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is this is great. And it's crazy how there's that that mental switch or the moment I put a smile and I say some fun words and have some energy that it, it becomes true. Mm-hmm. It's 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 positive self talk too. And it's the same thing. It's exactly. Just, yeah. I'm just saying it out loud. Yeah. And it truly had you have so much power over how you feel and how you proceed it not to like ramble too much but i remember i've said this a lot when people say like how did you deal with your anxiety or depression uh and how did you deal with like stopping smoking weed i was like dude i just told myself i didn't have anxiety and depression anymore and then i did it and I told myself, I, I'm, I don't smoke weed anymore. I just simply don't do it. It's not who I am. And then I, it, I'm four months of not doing it. It's like, I literally just said, this is how it is. And it became true. I think Dion just says that so perfectly. Like you have, you have the remote control to your life. Mm-hmm. No one else does. Exactly. Don't, don't give it to anyone else. Don't let anyone else take that out of your hands because you have the master key. Um, yeah, I definitely think the interaction with your own internal world versus the external world, you know, like how how you let things externally affect your internal is really important because I've learned to, you know, not really give power into what other people say or think or situations and just know that you know, back to stoicism, like, the one thing I can't control is my mind and my perception of everything, and so why not, you know, just be grateful for everything that's thrown my way. 100%. Yeah. There was a, there was a boy I was talking to the other day, and he was telling me that he has this presentation coming up on the Dodge Viper and he is a car guy and the Dodge Viper is his favorite car and he knows everything there is to know about the Dodge Viper it excites him to his core but he's feeling really really nervous about this presentation and he doesn't know if he's going to have a good job and he says I have this monotone voice so Therefore, I am not going to be able to connect with the audience. And I told him that the power to do well is within you. Mm -hmm. You simply have to make the choice to do so or not. And I use the analogy that you have a toolbox inside you. Now, when you get up there and you load that PowerPoint and you're about to begin, you have the choice to Do I manufacture the key to unlock that toolbox or do I pull out a roll of duct tape and close it shut? It's that choice you make right before you start. 
is that nervousness are you excited to do it or are you anxious it's a choice you make it's something i feel every time i go up to approach a hot girl and i'm like oh i'm kind of nervous and then immediately think nah i'm excited (laughs) i'm excited because i'm about to go chat up a beautiful lady and then i have a smile on my face and generally the conversation goes like way better because i have this positive mindset going in exactly and i am super interested in definitely performance in sports but also just in life in general and i think a huge part of that is what you kind of just talked about was visual visualization and a sense of you know don't picture whatever you're gonna do like all the bad things that could happen focus on the positives and manifest that whatever you're going to do good things will come of it and um i think that's a really important thing of just bringing positive energy to every situation you find yourself in and not letting those doubts creep in you know otherwise you limit your potential from the beginning yeah you don't know what you're what you're capable of until you try uh yeah really cool cool stuff man yeah i feel like a lot of people limit themselves because of their fears and it's almost Mm. they fear not only what could go wrong but what could go right you know you fear it's it's that quote from that movie Uh, i'll have to pull it up sometime but it's really just says like we fear our best potential like the best version of ourselves like what if i do go all in Uh and it all works out you know you almost fear that somehow okay like like, like you don't know you're going to be able to handle it yeah uh that's that's really interesting i think living life in fear is so prevalent amongst our peers amongst even the people that we look up to, even the people that are successful. Because who knows how successful they could have been had they not been fearful to take that next step. Exactly. Have you seen the Coach Carter, Our Deepest Fear? I have clip? not. I'm Play the clip. Yeah, I'll play I'm it all for it. This is what I was talking about on We Fear Our uh, Potential. Okay. I was struggling to recall what the movie it was from, but yeah. I got it pulled up. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, so leave us be, coach. We got shit to do, sir. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. Sir, I just want to say thank you. You saved my life. <laughs> Yo, that's fucking awesome, <laughs> dude. That was so cool. <laughs> oh my god.
gosh. Oh wow, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. I, oh my god. And it makes me think of this. I don't know where I heard it from, but it was like, imagine you're lying there on your deathbed, and it's all the versions of yourself that like could have been. Yeah. Like if you did everything you set your mind out to and you didn't live out of fear and you just went for it and I was like wow like I don't want to be sitting there like regretting what I could have done when I'm 70 80 you know yeah so holy shit dude that reminds me of so there's this really successful entrepreneur his name is Alex Ramosi and he talks about you know graduating Vanderbilt in three years valedictorian president of his fraternity all, all the good stuff and he's following the path that his dad has laid out for him. He ends up getting a great job, a management consultant. He's in wherever, you know, being paid well, living in a nice apartment, but he's contemplating suicide. Why I hate this path, the path, the where this path has taken me. I feel like I'm not even living for myself, but I'm doing this for my dad. And then the, the steps he took afterwards, he explains that he came to the realization, okay, either I can die to myself or I can die to my father. And what, what, is, what, what is worse? And he like, eventually came to the conclusion that, okay, I just have to kill my father's dream right now mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And now this guy is worth powerful. Yeah. yeah. And and he took the steps and made had a ton of failures. Started, you know, a dozen different businesses and now is, you know, worth over a hundred million dollars. But it it took him taking that initial step of facing that the persecution from his family, the judgment of his peers to say, what the hell are you doing? You're driving across the country with, with no money to, to enter an industry you have no experience in. And what is the industry? Well, he started out by just, by just opening a gym and okay. then did like a whole bunch of other stuff. Okay. I have a clip about him talking about okay, this. Okay, so. Uh, might as well just. Yeah, just pull it up. Stay on the clip pull. train <laughs> yeah. uh, because they're all kind of related. I had massive insecurities about my father's approval. He said every decision that I had made was not a good decision after I decided to veer off the path of the job. And it was only when I had literally made more money than he'd ever made in his entire life that he said, you know, you're going to want to hear this. And he was like, I'm sorry for saying that you shouldn't have done this. He's like, but for the record, if it had been 30 years ago when I was coming up, I would have been right. And I remember thinking to myself, if I cared about your opinion, I wouldn't have done it. I had to break the sting of your approval when I was literally on my balcony thinking about myself in my consulting career well if the alternative is death then i can at least disappoint my father and that's why you probably often hear me measure a lot of decisions against death because it helps me gain perspective on what is important i I had massive all right so short clip he doesn't really get into all the nitty-gritty but essentially covers everything we just discussed Yeah, exactly yeah i i liked how we talked about measuring decisions against death almost because we all we are all gonna die eventually, and so it kind of puts things into perspective of just living each day like it's your last. And yeah, I, I like the clip. 
he he motivates me a lot. I Alex Hermosi has been one of those guys who's been a role model who I have never met and I maybe will never meet, but he is maybe my biggest role model. And I take so much positive positivity away from this guy. And, you know, he taught me that it, it's cool to love to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's always been a part of me when I was a young kid, my face was always buried in a book. Yeah. But then I got into middle school and that wasn't cool. I, we did other stuff. And he taught me, man, I mean, your purpose on this planet is to learn. It is to grow. It is to get better. And I really took that message and, man, it changed my life. And, yeah, he has so much so much cool shit. Yeah, I definitely think in our society today that a lot of people think that it's almost cool to not try or to succeed with minimal effort. Like, before t- every test I take, I feel like there's someone in the class that's, like, saying how they barely studied and, like, asking me how much I studied. And I'm like... Dude, like, like worry about, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's so elementary. You know, it's like it's it's people are trying to, like, flex how underprepared they are. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, I, I don't know what you're trying to get at. So. <laughs> Dude, once, once you start to level up a little bit, it's funny how childish some of our peers become. It, it, it's it's kind of it's hilarious yeah and i realize too how childish i could be at certain points in my past you know 100 like, percent. so and those people are just a little bit earlier on in their journey than we are and who, who's to say that i we're not better than them by any means those people just they just don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. and their experiences have shaped their personality until this point, and our experiences shaped ours. I could have never encountered upon the people who I consume their content now. Mm-hmm. I really think that I, my personality, the reason I'm doing this podcast is a product of me consuming the content of people like Alex Hermosi, of people like Gary Vee, of people like Jocko Willink, and seeing that okay, yeah, these people are really smart. These people are really driven. They've worked really, really hard to get to where they're at. But the philosophy behind how they got there, it's not as simple as just work hard and keep going. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is, but there's so much more that goes into it. So many like r- really amazing mental frameworks of how they approach certain problems. Like loving yourself to build yourself up or comparing your every decision you make as how you would reflect on it at your deathbed or yeah i feel like kind of just go show everyone's life is super complicated no one has it figured out yeah and so these guys we look up to as role models they all have had equally or more probably crazy lives and just you know they've learned from all these failures and these low points of their life and now they're have the ability to share and and their knowledge with people that are willing to listen. Yeah. And we have the chance to learn from their failures. Yeah. So 
maybe we don't have to experience them ourselves. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to check out some of these guys you've been talking about. Yeah. And I feel like I could tell you about some people that you'd probably like as well. So. Go for it, dude. I'm all ears. Yeah. Well, there's this, he's a monk. Okay. Called, uh, I think it's Shi Heng Yi. Okay. And he's just like, he's pretty similar to Jocko. I mean, very different way of saying things, but just a lot about toughness and mental resilience and stuff like that that I, I feel like you would enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, Going on mental resilience, I was listening to Jocko speak today, and he was saying when he was in the SEAL teams, especially as a younger guy, when there were leaders who things would go wrong and the leaders would lose their temper. He would immediately lose all respect for these people who were in positions of power but not able to hold their emotions together. Yeah, I actually know a quote, and it's, a man is no bigger than the smallest thing that provokes him. Ooh! So I I like that one, you know, because when I'm getting annoyed at someone or something, I'm like... I'm bigger than this. Like, I can't really let this bother me that much, you know? Yeah. Because your emotion... We're so emotional, right? Emotional and creatures, yeah. Yeah, we, we have ebbs and flows and ups and downs. So it's it's easy to succumb to those emotions and make decisions based off of it. And I think the real power lies is recognizing when you are emotional and being able to take an outsider's perspective... Mm-hmm understand your emotion but then make a logical decision based off of your emotions and the facts exactly i feel like a lot of people i know we talked about stoicism a little earlier think that stoicism is just the removal of emotions Mm -hmm. but i don't think that's accurate i think stoicism teaches you to feel the emotion but don't let the emotion dictate your action. Yeah. So, you know, like, you can still feel an emotion and then take a step back and be like, damn, that sucked, but I'm not going to let that affect me or my actions right now, you know? 100%. It's funny you say that. Well, not funny. This is We've been talking about this, but <laughs> I, I made a tweet replying to someone exactly on that topic today. Let's see if I can find it. All right, see McGregor's trending. That's interesting. Here it is. All right. So this person says, Stoicism is dumb AF. Don't let anyone <laughs> convince you otherwise. <laughs> then he says, No, bro. Trust me, bro. <laughs> I just need to turn off my emotions and be like a rock, bro. And yeah. I replied, This is Twitter, so obviously it's stupid. Yeah. I said, This is so dumb. You know, Stoics exercise great emotional intelligence. Understand your feelings and make logical decisions with emotional understanding. Uh, hopefully, you know this person reads that <laughs> because this was just quite the, quite the, <laughs> the the Twitter thread. Stoics, except you need therapy challenge. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of hilarious. Um, but there's this guy who's like, there's this frat guy in my philosophy discussion talking about, I read this book that, uh, that, uh, says you shouldn't react emotionally. And I really vibed with it. <laughs> um, no, it's kind of funny to just see what, what Twitter talks about stoicism. But yeah. what you said was just so spot on, you know, 
emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and decision understanding it feeling it to the full extent i think you really do have to just be able to succumb to your emotions in the way that you just have to feel it feel it out because once you do feel that emotion it's going to be gone in 2 minutes like any true strong emotion is actually if you let it if you let it run its course it's gone in like a minute and a half 2 minutes yeah and there's a saying um anything that you resist will persist mm. so if you bottle something up or you try to shove it away in a corner like it's not going anywhere it's gonna be right there waiting for you so yeah i definitely think it's smart to just feel an emotion and i feel like that is what i probably benefited most from meditating just realizing like when i just sit there focus on my breathing and you just see these like thoughts and emotions kind of pass by almost like you're sitting at a train stop like you're just watching them go by and I feel like that's the same thing when maybe a negative thought or emotion pops up I recognize it I don't try to get rid of it I don't try to go into like a spiral of going down that road I just you know let it let it pass yeah you, know? you just feel it yeah feel it and let it go yeah you know? and if you do feel it it will let go exactly yeah that that's like so you possess a lot of emotional intelligence that's really cool you too (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe that's why we like each other (laughs) i think that's a good a good point to wrap up the pod all right uh mark i'm so incredibly grateful that you said hey i'd love to be on the pod because i've i've truly enjoyed having you on i feel like we're a little bit closer as friends through this conversation this was an amazing experience so thank you yeah thank you for having me i really had no idea what to expect and i was a little nervous of how it would go you know just what we would talk about but i think it went well and i had a blast so yeah, yeah. i think it's kind of funny it just most all the podcasters are just like Hey, we have no idea where this is going to go. (laughs) (laughs) And most people, like, sitting down and speaking for 60 plus minutes is, it's a skill. Yeah. And it's hard. But this has been a really cool experience to be able to practice that. I'm glad I shared it with you. This has been the Modern Man Podcast. I'm your host, Nikhil Kathuria. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're on Spotify, please drop us a follow. Leave me a comment in the Q&A section below. Any feedback you leave is much appreciated. Again, I'm Nikhil Kathuria. Have a good one.